would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Today I'm being joined by the one and only Aden Arden. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It seems it's been a long time since we've chatted. <laughs> that it has, but you know, a day away from you is like a year, Adam. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, yeah. No, it must have been hell if that's the case. <laughs> I know. Every day is just – this is why I'm not aging well because I'm stressed out and panting nice. and, and weight over over your voice. 30 <laughs> days. <laughs> well, it is fantastic to have you and it's great to have you listeners tuning in to yet another week, another Nine Cents. It is November 22nd and we have a wonderful show for you this week. We're going to start off with The Devil's Advocate and we're talking eugenics. That's right. The essay by Magus Peter H. Gilmore from his The Satanic Scriptures. We're going to do a little militant eroticism, of course. Then is here with us. Episode 20. What do you call this one? If you loved me, I'd come. Wow. <laughs> Damn. This, this this one, I I was supposed to do nudism this month, but I still have a bunch of shit that I have to sift through. And then mm. I found this essay. I'm like, I remember I wrote this after a big fight with my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and you know what? I'm actually in a really pissy mood today. I can't wait to yell at everybody. <laughs> this, is, right, this is a very angry topic, people. Angry. All right. Here we go. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds like it's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. Um, we're going to close out the episode with another Satanism today. This is episode five, which Heather Height is going to be interviewed by Magister Harris. So this should be a really, really good episode. And that's why we don't have another um, something different because she's obviously going to be talking all about herself in this Satanism today. So um, that's going to be the entirety of the show. Let's start off with a little bit of banter here. Um, Thanksgiving's coming up. Do you, do you do anything special on Thanksgiving? I usually, well, last year there was a TV crew at the barracks. And um, so it was just, you know, a bunch of friends and uh, TV people. And um, the, uh, this year just going to, I'm going to Marilyn Manfield's house. So, oh, cool. Yeah, for like a Friendsgiving type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. That'll be fun. She's an amazing cook. Yeah. And yeah. What I, about you? I follow her on social media, so I've seen like some of the food pictures that she posts and stuff. And it looks really nice. Oh, yeah. That's why I have her cater my parties. I'm like, Marilyn, I love you. Cook. <laughs> Care of money. <laughs> Please make me food. Right? You don't want me cooking. My God. Yeah. Everything will be pasta or eggs and home fries. <laughs> Did you ever – was this a, like a big family tradition growing up, uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, kind of. My, my parents really didn't have too many traditions. My, my dad spent – a lot of time on the streets when he was growing up and my mother, you know, Muslim and all that Thanksgiving wasn't a big thing. So for our family, it's my mother cooked all the sides. My dad did the ham. Like she was not allowed to touch 
the ham, or the turkey. Because we usually had both in case family came over. Yeah. So <laughs> we're like, wow. hide the ham. So, uh, <laughs> which has happened before. I had to hide the ham under my uh, under my bed because Muslim <laughs> relatives came over and surprised the fuck out of us. So I'm running around the house with a ham. My mom's running around fucking Febreze. So anyway, and then my mother, myself, and my little brother, we would go to a movie while my dad prepped all the meat and by the time we came back it was just a few small things we'd sit down go around the table tell everybody what we're grateful for that was it so it was nice and then we'd watch you know silly movies and annoy my mother do you have any movies that are sort of traditions for this time of year Uh, no it was usually something you know cute and i wanted to see something interesting but Mm -hmm. you know i'm the odd man out so (laughs) (laughs) So we, you know, one year we saw Old Dogs with John Travolta and Robin Williams, which was actually really funny. Oh, I've uh, even heard of that. Right? It was a small little cute family comedy, but we usually see things like that. Something yeah. that, you know, something that's cute and funny and that won't make my mother freak out. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, for us it is a we have a staple tradition of inviting about 12 or 13 different friends and about two of them show up <laughs> like, all the time. even after like I have, I have the flakiest fucking friends even after they've agreed to come we've worked out side dishes that they're going to be bringing they'll call like at two o'clock on fucking thanksgiving like oh sorry we can't make it <laughs> you haven't killed them yet <laughs> it's unbelievable i tend not to murder my friends but i might have to start picking the habit up because no, it's, it's just frustrating. Just you don't want to come. Just don't come. Don't agree to come. Don't say you're going to bring a specific side or dessert or something like that. Just say, uh, you know, we have other plans or we're going to kick it at home or fuck off or whatever you want to say. Just be honest about it and say it. But don't tell me you're going to come and then you don't come. I mean, right. fuck. That, that, that would drive me absolutely nuts. It's, uh, you know, if I if I'm setting aside time and planning my day in order to consider you and, yeah. and you just you know, blow me off last minute. Well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, buddy. Gotta yeah. have a. So. These are the people I fucking know in life. It sucks. No, but, um, so our, the tradition is, is I, I wake up, I turn on Macy's Thanksgiving day parade and I try to get the kids to come watch it with me <laughs> while my wife is like sort of prepping all the food stuffs that's going to be cooked. Uh, and then I dip into a little eggnog and Southern comfort or eggnog and whiskey or eggnog and rum and just sort of become completely worthless for the rest of the day <laughs> while she's busting her ass and not complaining at all and just being an amazing person. And I'm by the time it's time to eat, I am like just completely just wild eyed and lubricated with alcohol and just ready to say just random stupid things constantly. So it's nice if you have people over to sort of, you know, offset that weirdness that I become when I get crazy drunk. But when it's just me and the family, it's it's just not that great. Not that good. I would pay good money to see you lazy and lubricated. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, it's it's so. That was too easy. I had to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna start taking pictures and I'll send them over to you this year. Okay, fine. You know, join the club. I got a nice little folder on my computer with a bunch of people. <laughs> Interesting. You're not recording, are you? <laughs> I am. In fact, oh, we, we won't go. drop any names, but. I have an idea. Um, what? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so wait, you watch the Macy's Day Parade? Yeah. Now, I never understood that. Why do people watch? I, now, now, not only did I hate going to parades when I was a kid, I'm like, Dad, Daddy, get me out of here. Your shoulders aren't comfortable. There's too many people. It's loud. There's a bunch of fucking people blocking traffic. Why is this a good idea? Hmm? Now, watching parades on television seems like even a more worse idea because <laughs> you're not even there to take in the experience. You're like yeah. fucking spectators. Like, oh, look how cool it is. Look how cool everything is. And I don't have to be there while everybody's freezing their fucking ass off. So my disdain for being around tons and tons of people is part of the reason why I don't usually go to any parades, but also the fact that I'm in Utah, <laughs> not New York. That has a lot to do with yeah. it as well. But I don't know. And I don't – I got to be honest. I don't really even like watch it, watch it. I just have it on as a sort of background noise because it usually ends up with me going, hey, kids, the parade's on. Let's watch this. And then we just start like talking or messing around or going and bugging Shauna in the kitchen or tasting little bits that she's you know preparing. Like it's just – it's sort of background noise. It's just seasonal background noise for us. Um, I haven't really ever thought about why I watch it, to be quite honest, until you brought that up. I don't, I don't know. What? We usually have The Simpsons going on in the background, because me and my dad are huge Simpsons fanatics. Oh, like, right. Huge, right? Yeah. And um, that just drives my mother nuts, because me and my father have the same kind of humor. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really bad now that I'm an adult and she can't ground me because I live 700 miles away. So... <laughs> No, that's cool. I, like I love it best when it, when it is with friends, though. Like, when you, you don't have to worry about tiptoeing around subjects because of your family or whatever. You can just sort of just be you and enjoy the day with friends. So, Oh, yeah. This, um, this is great. It, but I, this is the second time I've gone to Maryland for Thanksgiving. The first time was when I just moved here and just met Maryland. Mm-hmm. And um, usually it was uh, – well, Darren would be back – in Chicago and I go back to Detroit for Christmas so I don't go for Thanksgiving um, but it would be me and my neighbors kind of having like an orphan giving type of thing and since I've never cooked a fucking turkey in my life it was always <laughs> my old neighbor who lived across the hall and we would put on really ridiculous disco music and dance around while I would make the sides and he would make turkey and then everybody would come over after me and him were done doing all the dirty work and we'd be sloshed by that point. Like it was, it was over. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. If you're not getting drunk while cooking, you're not doing it right. Here, here. No, I totally, <laughs> I totally, <laughs> totally agree. <clears throat> and, and then there's the food. Oh, the food is so great. Just all the greatest home cooking ever. Right. Oh my God. It's like the only time to be bloated and proud at the same time. Yeah. Such a great fucking, such a great holiday. Um, well, I'm looking forward to that in just a couple days now. Plus it gives me like a a nice four day weekend. So can't argue with that. That's always fucking beautiful. Eugenics. The very word raises the hackles of the egalitarians as it exposes fundamental fallacies that underline their doctrines. Mankind is the only animal species which acts to circumvent the natural law of the survival of the strong and the weeding out of the weak. Acknowledging the non-equal, stratified status of humans, we Satanists see 
as one of our long-term societal goals the promotion of a higher percentage of creative and productive individuals and a decrease in the numbers of simple believers and consumers, as well as the downright stupid. <laughs> this could be advanced through the forbidden knowledge of eugenics. Simply put, it is a term applied to the scientific theories concerning the biological improvement of the human animal through deliberate control of hereditary factors. The idea was pioneered by Sir Francis Galton. He thought that we could promote a progressive evolution in our species through increasing the proportion in our uh, Jesus, in our population of intelligent, healthy, and emotionally stable individuals via the strict control of human reproduction. We have used such techniques in agriculture and animal husbandry. Why not voluntarily apply such to ourselves? This is a really <clears throat> interesting topic that I was um, I was a little bit surprised it was um, addressed this way because it does have such negative connotations, you know, post-World War II world. Um, you know, there's this idea of using eugenics to uh, weed out perceived weaknesses and uh, even ethnicities and, you know, sort of let this greater race rise on top. But then there's the positive side that uh, Megas Gilmore speaks to as well, that's sort of um, removing birth defects and stuff like that. that and it's honestly, it does seem like a natural progression of human evolution. I mean, we've, we've muddled with other species evolution through these types of uh, activities. Why not just go about it and apply it to ourselves? And we sort of do individually. Like you choose your own partner. So if you, you know, if you choose that you don't want to have kids, well, then you're taking your genes out of the pool and, and, you know, we're sort of allowing the residual pool to build up, you know, forsaking whatever you have for good or bad. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, I mean, what, what's your take on eugenics in general? Well, I think in the past, um, it was usually done for silly, uh, silly reasons, even before uh, Hitler and his Aryan army thing. But, um, you know, like, oh, let's breed the aristocracy because the aristocracy has a higher IQ, which we just know that's not the way intelligence works. Mm -hmm. And um, but now we have you know, better systems to do this. We, we understand human DNA and we can, um, you know, the, the science behind designer babies is blossoming. And um, I mean, I'm a transhumanist, so I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I hope to live long enough to see the end of Homo sapiens and the rise of the post-human, where you can take out the birth defects and you can play with biology. We're, we're at a point, I, I think our, our species is at a point where we don't have to be bound by mindless natural selection anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a mistake when people talk about eugenics is, well, what about, you know, natural evolution well honey nature doesn't have a plan and nature is not a conscious being so when people say nature knows best it's kind of like a misleading statement nature experiments a lot and it just so happens it gets it gets things right um, but it also gets a lot of things wrong so <laughs> mostly it gets things wrong i mean <laughs> and it's just like the scientific method you go you don't go by your successes you're led by your failures and science, uh, I'm sorry, nature operates the same way. Luckily, human beings are not nature. And <laughs> we can control things in a very uh, quick and uh, in more intelligent fashion as long as we leave morality and our biases out of it. So, um, 
I, I love the idea of eugenics. I, w- I would love to know that, um, you know, we, we you could build. Uh, well, actually, no. That the better way to put it would be um, that one of the cures of HIV is they're trying to there's there's a natural mutation in in a, a a percentage of the population that make them immune to catching HIV, and it also makes them immune to catching the bubonic plague. Or people with sickle cell anemia, they're immune from um, what's that mosquito disease? God damn it. Um, Anyway, so there's uh, there's usually a trade-off, but we can breed these genetic immunities into us now, and we mm-hmm. can become kind of like the Olympians, you know. So the Olympian gods. So I think that's uh, for me personally, that would be the goal of eugenics is to become like the Olympians. But I'm a huge fan. Bravo. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense if we can, you know, mess with immunities or, or resistances to existing viruses or defects i mean it's it just seems like a no duh like why wouldn't you want your offspring or the future humanity's offspring to have the best possible chance of survival after you that just seems like it doesn't make any sense not to do it especially if we have the ability to and like i don't want to really discuss the um an opposing side view of this because i don't I don't really think we need to. We all are pretty familiar with the, those ideas. But as a Satanist, uh, can we discuss maybe a little bit of, you know, I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek or not, but Anton LaVey did mention once that they, there was a, a, a potential chromosomal difference between Satanists and non-Satanists. Um, do you think that you could breed, uh, th- use genetics in order to create Satanists? as offspring because right now it's pretty much you don't know if your kid's going to be a satanist do you think that there is some sort of genetic trait that would predispose you to the ideas or 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 the the frame of a satanist well you know this this is funny david magister harris was asked something similar in that um inside the church of satan documentary um you know would you want the world to be full of satanists and I agree with him. No, no, I would not. So, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's kind of like, would you want the whole population to be gay and only to meet together for uh, the purposes of breeding? No, that's throwing things way too out of balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate, uh, I don't really hate to say it until we, until we have androids that are completely subservient, we, we need, we need the, the people who are going to be janitors. We, we, kinda, yeah. we just need them. So <laughs> we need someone to stand on, let's face it. So, but could, if you could, yeah, LeVay, LeVay kind of implied that there could be a genetic difference between us and everybody else. Um, but I, I look at it more. I look at individual personalities more as a combination of nature and nurture. You have mm-hmm. genetic predispositions and then you have environmental influences. And it seems any Satanist I met has a few things in common. Um, somewhat of a disregard for authority, um, childlike when it comes to their imagination, and devotion to independence. I mean, like they worship that notion, myself mm-hmm. included. We worship the very idea of independence. We do what we want because we want to do it. And we don't need too many other reasons besides that. So what genes contribute to that would probably be the same genes that contribute to risk-taking behavior. 
Um, you know, people who drink too much, people who do drugs too much, people who are too promiscuous, they all go hand in hand. The difference would be reason. But just because you have a high IQ, which has a genetic predisposition, doesn't mean you're going to be a very reasonable person. Sociopaths yeah. are also highly intelligent. They're also not very reasonable. So, <laughs> No, it's so, very true. It's interesting because, you know, as a parent, I I never... It, like it, you know, of course, my wife's not a Satanist, and so being the only Satanist in the in the relationship, I never really went into it thinking I'm going to have Satanist children. Like it was that literally never, and even today, I don't care. Like it's not important to me whether or not they identify the same way as me. I prefer them to be themselves, and so genetically modifying someone. Uh, as a, a, you know, an, an egg or a zygote or, you know, however, at whatever stage you're doing it, uh, I don't, it would never, like, I would never do that expecting them to come out as Satanist because that would take the, what I champion in um, creation, um, the randomness, the chaos out of it. Okay. I, I love that I don't know what what my kids are going to be like. I, I, of course, you know, going back to what I said earlier, I, I love to give them the best possible chance of survival, meaning correct problems before they occur. Um, you know, if their predisposition for cancer or heart disease or something like that. But, uh, other than that, yeah, I, I do not foresee like a Gattaca future, um, where we're, you know, completely customizing our children. I'm not a, averse to it, but personally, I just, I prefer the chaos approach to it. Um, so you're in favor so, of the love babies. <laughs> I love Gattaca. But almost, yeah, in almost every dystopian future, it is like controlling of population growth and uh, the children that are born. Like, you know, you always have these sort of structured ideas. So as human beings, it's part of our DNA to envision these future outcomes. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if it does happen or if it has happened or, you know, if, if people are, are currently uh, really just as I'm sure if, if North Korea could do it, they would definitely be doing it, you know, if they had the technology. I, I think the theme, because I think Gattaca is a wonderful little, uh, little uh, frame for this conversation. I think mm -hmm. the theme of that movie was that the difference between the man who is given everything and then had everything taken away because of an accident versus the man who was a love baby and then, you know, went out to space in a fucking three piece $4,000 suit because for some reason everybody has a $4,000 suit in that movie <laughs> um, <laughs> um, is that controlling genetics can only give you a head start. I mean, look, the guy who went to space versus his brother who only became a detective. Yeah, you know, it's it's the the environmental influences. The 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 love child refused to accept that he was bound by his biology, and I think that's a pretty. I think that's a part of what people would refer to as the human spirit. That that uh, man versus man type of thing. Like, no, no, I'm going to do something, and unless something kills me, I am going to fucking do it. And you can't breed that with genetics as far as we know. If it was strictly all genetics, psychology and sociology would be stupid. They wouldn't even be science. They wouldn't even be worth discussing. 
behavior, influence are real things. If they weren't, advertisements wouldn't work so fucking well, and neither would religion. Someone can be predisposed to believe things like um, in God or Christ or name them. Um, or Zeus or anybody else. You can be predisposed to that line of thinking, but these all these people may be atheists and very persuaded by uh, totalitarian governments. So it really doesn't, you can't breed a Christian no more than you can breed a Satanist. You can breed someone who has um, uh, a higher IQ or has the potential to take advantage of a higher IQ, but they could also be a crime lord or they could be a lawyer. Yeah. You know, free will is a real thing, but not complete free will. Free will operates in a box that we're all born it, with, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, half the species anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's really interesting because you just brought up this really great idea that spurred some other stuff in my head here. And I, I want to explore this a little bit further. I think part of the reason we find happiness in life is because of um, diversities we must overcome. And those may be genetic, they may be um, cultural, they may just be the society at whole, as a whole, um, regionally where you were born. But whatever those obstacles are, the reason those of us who are great are is because of overcoming those obstacles. Of beca- in, in, in spite of our deficiencies we are strong and maybe even because of them we're strong because we've had to force if you're given everything i mean just look at any millionaire's children or child actors who work really hard the first part of their youth and then just devolve into a mess of just drug-fueled nonsense in their teens and later life like they were given and they didn't have to struggle after that it's It's pride and boredom yeah, it's the struggle in life that makes us great. And, you know, you were mentioning that eugenics will get put start you on the right foot. But after that, you know, there's a lot of other factors that go into play. <clears throat> I mean, starting yourself on the right foot may also end in not very fulfilling life because you don't have that struggle that makes life worth it for me anyway. Right. It's it, Some of my friends, um, some were born, you know, very wealthy, and others um, attained wealth through circumstance and um, good decision making when they were young. And sometimes I get so pissed at them because I was raised dirt ass poor. Mm. And so when they see the way I, so when they bitch about A, B, and C, I'll I'll throw a fucking fit, like I'll yell and I'll scream <laughs> because I'm like you you seem to think. You have real problems. And you know why you think you have real problems? Because you never had to work for anything. Hmm. Like, no, 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 I had to work for what I have. Yes, honey, you had to study for what you had. There's a big difference. All right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had to watch my parents work for jobs and me sit at home with a woman who couldn't speak English. So there's, you know, there's there's a big difference here. Okay. Hmm. I, I moved to New York with $500 in my pocket. You moved here with like $30,000 in your bank account. So, <laughs> let's Jeez. right. So let's not let's not have this. But it's that sense of pride of overcoming something. I'm sorry, pride derived from overcoming something. And when everything's handed to you, it's what are you what's there to be proud of? And you're bored on top of it. Bored. 
there isn't anything you can't do. It's uh, like one of my friends was born wealthy, is wealthy, and um, he has a job, but he tries so hard to fit in. Like, I never knew he was rich until it slipped when we were too drunk one night. I looked at him like, you're what? <laughs> I thought you were just a young professional. No, he's filthy fucking rich. And then I got really angry because I'm like, why do you work? <laughs> My God, if I had your opportunity, you know what I would do is I would develop my interests and hide the fact that I was rich. And let's say I was interested in painting and try to enter galleries or something mm. like that. So I could develop real esteem and real pride and not use daddy's name to get somewhere. Right. So, so it, it, you can combine that with genetics. See what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I it's a, it's a really interesting uh, topic that spirals into a lot of different aspects of, of what it means to be a human and, and what you can and cannot change about who and what you are based on your genetic makeup. Um, I, I highly recommend, you know, um, Megas Gilmore does a really wonderful job in this uh, discussing his third side perspective on the topic and he gives some really wonderful examples and it really develops the essay uh, in a really wonderful way. It's in the Satanic Scriptures, which is a collection that defines Satanism. It's, it's the Satanic Bible and the Satanic Scriptures that are the two, in my opinion, soul books that you need to fully comprehend this idea of Satanism. Uh, so do yourselves a favor, read this essay for yourselves, think about it, and uh, explore opportunities um, that are available to you. You know, make a, do a little, do a little uh, genetic testing of your own. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, that's actually really, my parents had that done before, um, well, when they found out they were, uh, they were preg pregnant with me because my mother is lupus, and mm. in the 80s, they didn't really know how lupus was passed, so I got tested for it. But genetic testing is a fantastic idea if you're fortunate enough to have the ability to plan a pregnancy. Mm. You really should, because then it will tell you, okay, am I? What what are the chances of me giving birth to a child who won't live past the age of five, or will have a debilitating illness the rest of their life? Yeah, yeah probably better to not have that kid for their sake, and as well as your bank accounts. <laughs> <laughs> emotional and practical it makes perfect sense it, um, it's, check it's it out people. Truth, but yeah let's let's do a little molten eroticism sure hello hello oh is it on it's on all right hi my name is pat and i used to be a smoker i never realized the harmful effect of smoking until I lost one lung. And now I only have one lung. I spent all of my money on cigarettes. But now I found something even better. There's this place called Isaiahness. And they sell Cetalabavimus and LEDs. And I like to use the LEDs. I like to light them up in my room. Cause I don't like the dark. I get scared. And it makes me breathe. And I can't breathe for that long. Because I only have one lung. Anyway. 
They got a lot of stuff. I think it's hold on, hold on, wait, hold on. <sighs> Sorry, I had to take a few breaths. Anyway, I suggest that you go down to Oz Aetonist and check out. Hold on. <laughs> and check out all the things that they have. That's right. I did say I laden it. Alright, I'm going now. Bye. Episode 30. If you love me, I'd come. I'm a den or den. I cannot for the life of me understand why in a relationship sexual pleasure is considered second to emotional duty. That people seem to think, be lucky you're getting this at all, instead of working with their partner or partners to develop their sexual exploits. When I hear about relationship troubles or surf the racks at a bookstore on relationships, it is all centered on better understanding one's emotional duty to their partner, and further, it implies a sacrificial obligation. I stress rejecting this and instead pursuing bettering your relationship in order to acquire pleasure. This includes sex. The line of logic would be to start from the self and in the realm of ethical sex or romance would amount to finding someone who can satisfy one's sexual, emotional, and intellectual inclinations. One's partner is the culmination of erotic desire and emotional rapport, the pinnacle of one's two sides. I hear men consistently loathe a poor blowjob or handjob, but rationalize it as, well, it's better than nothing. Fuck that! I'd rather play with my own nipples, bust out a dildo, and stroke my 2.25-er very, very well, than have a very, very bad fuck. The person performing these acts, if they care about you at all, should strive to give you the utmost sexual consideration. But of course, that goes the same for you, too. If love is caring for another's well-being, it would follow that this is not only minimizing pain and harm to that loved one, 
but increasing their pleasure as well. This includes when you fuck them. <laughs> Among the many answers I've gotten when I confront others with the question, well, what does love mean? Always among them, there is this notion to minimize or prevent harm to the other. Harm is somewhat subjective, being dependent on the rules of the relationship, which are derived from an individual's taste. But I find what is uncommon to hear of is increasing their partner's pleasure. And further still, if included, it is phrased as bettering the quality of life or making sure they're happy. If either of these is true and you fail to gratify them sexually, does that mean you never love them? No. Only if you don't care to make an effort and honestly try. You know, because of that idea of you should be happy you're having sex. <laughs> Once you dig into these statements noted above, they almost always deal with emotions or types of homemaking. For some reason, sexual satisfaction is left out of this, seen as a base and shallow thing to worry about. Let me tell you something. Anyone who has that point of view, that sex is the least important part of a relationship, I wish them nothing less than a lifelong string of adulterers that the fates themselves couldn't tear. So inevitably, one must ask, whose duty is it to ensure sexual happiness? Well, ideally, ideally it is both. But let us be realistic and say it's whomever is unhappy. Now, I say both. Because if two people care about each other's happiness and wish to better each other, it would include sexual fulfillment. But realistically, because one partner is usually itching or bitching for better than what the other partner is doing, it is the unhappy person's obligation to discuss what they like and what they want to explore. Though it would have been best to do so during dating and before commitment, but the other who, we assume, is content should make damn sure that their partner is having one fuck of a good time anyways and ask about what that person likes. Failure on the content individual's part would in effect mean they don't care about their partner's happiness. Though, I find it comical that if you sit two people down separately, they're both pining for better fucking sex. <laughs> And this usually amounts to them being sexually incompatible, idiotically embarrassed, or settling for what they're getting like some fucking goddamned retards. <laughs> now, what of that, though? What, what of comfortability? Asking around, and I suggest you do this as well. What is the sure sign of a good or healthy relationship? And they'll say most often, comfortability. So ask yourself if unsatisfied sexually. Do you tell your partner that you're sexually dissatisfied, that they're not doing a good enough job? Or do you go about whining incessantly and talking behind your husband or wives or boyfriend or girlfriend's back? If you do the latter, what are your reasons for not telling the person that you supposedly love? Afraid of hurting their feelings? Content in sexual displeasure or non-pleasure, are you embarrassed about what you want? These questions are important. They'll tell you where your relationship stands and where your maturity is. In dealing with another's feelings, we must first consider the consequence or options other than hurting them. But most importantly and primarily the effect on ourselves, including our pleasure. If our lover isn't 
refuses or is incapable of satisfying us, the relationship is invalid and to put bluntly ought to be ceased. This is your life. And that person may be your lover. But if you're not satisfied, then what the fuck is the point? Your desires are a good guide when it comes to romance. Denying what you want emotionally and sexually is betting against the house. And the house, ladies and gentlemen, always wins. A person who will not or is incapable of satisfying you is not automatically a bad person. They're just different. Different enough to leave you unsatisfied. And that is important. Again, you are not satisfied. Let that wander around in your head a bit. If you're not satisfied with what you currently have or are being offered, after that, you only have one more question to ask yourself before you pursue answers with anyone else or any action. Whose fault is it that you're not satisfied? Whose fault is it that you're bitching about your life? And what person do you have to blame? As always, fellow eroticists, keep your skirts up, your pants down, and no matter who bends over, love yourself the way you want to be loved. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. I feel oh, better now. Job. I feel better. I was angry before, but now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I know people like this, though, that, that just are wildly unsatisfied in their uh, sexual lives, but they're just with their partners, just like it's a normal thing. I don't – it's so far beyond my realm of understanding. I, I, I just don't get it. Why would you – ever allow yourself to be in such a shitty position and you're right it's totally their fault like they can bark at the moon as loud as they want blaming well she won't do that or he won't do that but you have a choice and you can find someone who will right when my <laughs> no, friends I, come to me i'm like oh you know my my boyfriend he doesn't he doesn't really like sucking dick and i'm like yeah did you talk him talk to him about that well, no, not really, because he thinks he's bad at head and he's really sensitive. Okay. Did you, how about, did you, did you go to a, a sex book shop? Uh, you know, maybe look at porn together and then, you know, maybe like, um, you know, push him towards the oral sex books and go, hey, baby, let's, let's read this book in bed, you know, because there's, there's a few tricks in here that I want to learn. Mm -hmm. No, that's, you know, that'd be really uncomfortable. Well, fuck you then. Stop that <laughs> God you don't deserve it. a blowjob, then. <laughs> now, these days, I'm done wasting my time on people who won't take my fucking advice and just want an easy ear to bitch at. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck you. I have better shit to do <laughs> than listen to you whine about a situation you put yourself in. It's not that hard. You lay back. You tell them. This, these, uh, these things are what I like. If you're unwilling to do them, this relationship won't work. You can call me shallow, you can call me a dick, you can call me a bastard, but I am so sorry. If I'm going to fuck you for the next 40 years, it better be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be the best. Yeah, I'm polite. Personally, I'm a great guy. It doesn't have to be the best sex I've ever had, but God damn it, it better be fucking good. <laughs> yeah I, I like to think there has to be effort like if you're not putting in the effort then there's no point at all 
like, I, 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 I love what you said early on because it was um, any blowjobs. It's still a blowjob, no matter how bad it is. Well, fuck that. No, no, no. That's, I don't believe in quickies because of that. I like to enjoy myself in bed. I don't like to, oh, the kids are out of the house for half an hour. Let's hurry up and knock it out. No, fuck that. Let's wait until everyone goes to sleep and then we have some actual time and we can do everything that we really, really like rather than just trying to hurry up and knock one out. It just bothers me. I, I just don't fucking... Why people would make themselves miserable intentionally for the sake of just standing next to someone else is insanity. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly why these sick fucks do shit like that. <laughs> Adam, my dear reverend. Yes. They're lonely. They're lonely and sad. Good. They deserve yeah. it. <laughs> Fuck them. Oh, they totally yeah. deserve it. Absolutely. I love what you told me a while back, and it always stuck in my head, especially when I was rewriting this. Um, you know, when you were sitting at a bar and people were telling you about their married lives, you know, guys have been married 20 or 30 years, and you're like, oh my God, that's awful. <laughs> and you had that conversation with your wife, like, no, this will not happen. I can't end up this way. Because <laughs> that's great. And that's exactly what it should be like. You know, especially if you can't fuck other people. My God. No, no, no. Wait a minute. That doesn't matter because I, I cannot be monogamous. I did it once and I won't do it again. <laughs> and I still expect great sex from my partner. No, 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 no. Just because I can go and fuck others doesn't mean I should come home to hamburgers. God damn it. I should come <laughs> home to steak and potatoes. Get your ass in that kitchen, bitch. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you mentioned this too, and I, I think this is a really great point to focus on. Um, it's that in this day and age, there's no hidden secret book. It's all available. There's instruction. If you don't know how to do something, look online, go to a fucking bookstore or a library. That information and techniques are out there. You don't have to be horrible at sex. You can, you can be good at it. You may not be great, but you can be good. That's right. Some people are born with a natural gift. Some people are better painters, better sculptors. Some are uh, some people are better at fucking. But yeah. you can always, even if you're born with a blade, you're going to be born with a dull one. You have to sharpen it. Mm. Yeah. It, to be perfectly honest, part of the reason why I'm so obsessed with sex is because I'm terribly sexually insecure, which is why I buy so many books on it. I need to know. I need to know. Like a like a little girl who needs to be told she's attractive all the time. I need <laughs> to know that I'm good in bed. If I even get the hint that my partner or my trick is not having at least a good time, I swear to God, I turn into a wreck. It's like, no, I'm done having <laughs> sex. I'm terrible. <laughs> and then I'll spend like the next month being celibate and studying all my sex manuals. Like, I know I did something wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that great episode, man. That was That's fun. I like that. Um, where can the good folks listening find a little bit more about you online? Well, you can go to x2 slash it. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure there's sex videos of me out there. Um, really? Oh God, I'm pretty sure of it. Adenfucks.com. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, one day, Adam, one day. Uh, <laughs> No, you can go to www.militanteroticism.com and pick up the book. Um, yeah. 
You can Facebook. Uh, there's Militant Eroticism on Nine Cents podcast. There is Militant Eroticism on Facebook for the book. And then there's, you know, just me, Den Den on Facebook. And um, you may especially want to like the Den Den page because... If you think this is it, kiddos, you're flat out wrong. <laughs> I have a few other things in the works that are terribly exciting. This church needs more dick, Adam, and I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> I've heard my calling from the Dark Lord himself, and it was cock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think that's going to be fantastic. Glad to hear um, you're looking forward to cock, Adam. Hey, if it's coming from you, I'll take it. <laughs> Well, you know, my cock isn't going to be in there. Or maybe. There'll be a shadow of it on the wall. I'll have to talk to my editor. You know, let's see how how much we can blow up that photo. (laughs) (laughs) No, I said zoom in, damn it. Zoom zoom in. (laughs) Well, fantastic as always, man. Thank you very much. Um, Let's let's tune into a little Satanism today and see uh, what's in store for us there. Ever wonder why genies are trapped in bottles? Because they're a bunch of goddamn drunks! And like all drunks, they'll talk to anyone who will listen until somebody puts a cork back in the bottle. So, want a little drunken genie nonsense? Then grab a bottle of whiskey and rub one out! Or tune into Nine Cents the first week of every month and catch my segment, I Dream of Jesse. Satanism today here on the United States podcast. I am Magister David Harris. My guest this week uh, made history with regards to this show. Uh, her first appearance uh, on the program a few years ago when I was still doing it. She was the first and to this day the only person I've ever booked as a guest on this show that was a non member of the Church of Satan. Um, having her back on since she has since become a member of the Church of Satan has been elevated to the level of witch, and is a convenient guest because she lives here. Um, Welcome to the show, my wife, Witch Heather Height. How are you? I'm good, thank you. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, I haven't seen you since way back in the kitchen. Yeah, it's been been an entire ten minutes. like minutes, yeah. An entire ten minutes since we've last seen each other. So what's going on in that time? What's going on in the last 10 minutes? Yes. No. Well. <laughs> um, no, let's talk about what's happened with you from the last from the last time you were officially a guest on this program, which was probably when we first started dating. So many shortly, things have happened. Shortly after 
or at least shortly after we started dating. I I, uh, I made history on your show by sucking the best dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to convince a man to let me be a guest on his show. Yes. <laughs> and and a, a permanent member on uh, Hate Speech Radio too. Yep. Before I even had a dick in my mouth. Yeah, exactly. You, well, you, not you... yours anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You really did weasel your way into that position. Weaseled away. That's how I do. <laughs> Every time I've ever been on Opie and Anthony was a weaseling situation. There's <laughs> always some angle. You never been invited. That's never going to happen. No. There's never an invitation. No. No one on that show is ever going to say, you know who we should have on the show as a guest? Heather Height. <laughs> She's fascinating. Of all the people with vaginas and tits that we know... Love her. That'll never happen. <laughs> um, I suppose let's start with, you know, the last time you were guest on Satanism Today, you were not a member of the Church of Satan. You nope. and you are now. I actually like I well, as you know, I agonized over it mm-hmm. for like years because, of course, I immediately like everything was like yeah of course yeah of course you know mm-hmm. when I read it and we were talking about it and I'd ask you questions and you were like a dick to me <laughs> which was like oh oh just such a bad <laughs> like like as if I was one of those crazy people emailing you asking you like about you know putting a curse on my boss or something like you, you'd be like read the book I'm like you're you're my freaking boyfriend we can't sit down and have a discussion we can't I, talk. I want to defend that position <laughs> because you you compare yourself to the the crazies, the crazies who the crazies who email me, saying that you are not like those people, and I can only rebuke that with, "Have you ever had a conversation with yourself?" Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have never claimed to be the son and father of Anton Lavey. <laughs> That's not anything I've you ever. You know, done. you bring up a good point. I do, don't I? Not schizophrenic. No. That is my best defense. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, I'm not schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never claimed to have been... That I, you never claimed that I baptized you 20 years before I was born. Never. I've never that done true. that. I've gotten that email. No. Only after your birth. Yeah. Like, I've never... That's just impossible for you. have done it before yeah. you were even born. Are you saying I can't do that shit? Not before you're born. Yeah, now clear, who's you clear, crazy? You, you clearly underestimate me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were just like a person. <laughs> um, so you did agonize over over joining. I did because I didn't want it to be like like just joining because the guy I'm dating is a member. Uh-huh. I wanted to make sure that it was. I've never joined anything. That's a very important element in this conversation. Is um, I have explored a lot of philosophies and religions and belief systems or whatever you want to call them but I've never felt like um, there's always a thing like I think if you're going to join something unless you're indoctrinated as a child (laughs) like you gotta really understand and believe every aspect of that and maybe I'm a little bit of a nitpicker in that regard but um the, so I had to really have a deep understanding of it rather than just be like, oh, my God, I so resonate with this. Because you could say that about a lot of things. You could, oh, my God, I so resonate with, you know, whatever this is. I'm going to join it right now. And that's just not the kind of person that I am, you know. Yeah. I will be all about a topic. I'll 
you know, go deep into exploration about a topic, but it does, you know, I, I spent a week on, um, what bipolar disorder? I didn't decide to join bipolar disorder. You know, like, like <laughs> well, you can't really join <laughs> bipolar. It's, it, it's sort of a group that chooses you. Yeah, <laughs> or narcissistic. I love, you know, that narcissistic, nah, narcissistic personality disorder week was a fun one. Well, you were just learned there, a lot about you. Well, there you were trying to week. just diagnose me. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds familiar. It's not a disorder if it works. <laughs> That's true. It is. You can turn anything to your advantage exactly <laughs> uh so what ultimately led you to this like yeah this is for me the big like i am absolutely going to join and because as far as i was concerned i was already a satanist just by nature but the thing that really made me want to join was an interview with peter where he said satanists are not joiners <laughs> And I remember talking to you about it. I was like, I wish I had seen this before. It's, it's an odd kind of thing, but it's my brain and my weirdness. But him saying Satanists are not joiners made me go, all right, I'm going to join this. <laughs> that, I know that doesn't seem to make any sense. <laughs> a bunch of people, I'm going to join a bunch of people who are, are not joiners. <laughs> I should so join this. <laughs> <laughs> Say join one more time. <laughs> I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Um, so since that time, you have uh, you've you've continued to pursue writing as opposed to stand-up comedy. Yes. Well, I'm not. I love stand-up comedy. I love being on stage. I love joke writing. I love the. Uh, it's like an, an, an analysis of the human condition, and I love everything about that and about picking that apart and finding this little funny thing and relaying that to other people. I hate the politics. I'm instantly annoyed. Like, and I even love, as individuals, other comics, but I hate being in a group of them where everybody is just on and... There's there these egos are clashing in this really disgusting kind of way. <laughs> Everybody's trying to be the loudest and most obnoxious person, and but at the same time everybody has like this fucking paper thin fucking frailty to them where you don't know what thing you're gonna say. We're all calling each other cunts and talking about how we wish each other's mother would get cancer, but you never know what thing that you're gonna say. Like you know. That's just stupid. That's going to set somebody off that they'll never talk to you about and you will never get booked. And, you know, like, it's just stupid. And, and the, the whole sexism thing, like, I don't even consider myself any kind of, like, feminist. And I hate that. Uh, and, and I don't identify as a gender when I'm on stage. I'm not up there going, I'm a female comic. And I like I have jokes about it. Because it's, like, obligatory almost. Like, okay, let's get this out of the way. I have a vagina. You know? Like, yeah. let's do that. But, like, the whole... That whole, like, women aren't funny thing, it's just... I don't like having to contend with that. So I'd rather be writing <laughs> and just present this thing. And no matter what you do, like, whatever you are, you don't have this experience because you are a, a white American man. <laughs> 
it's coming though because I see these little things we could talk about that are you guys are starting to become the um, the downtrodden citizens of the world yeah, <laughs> white American men but um, the I no longer feel ashamed to say you know what that's offensive to white men oh you should never yeah. because you know fuck everybody yeah. everybody wants to be some, some kind of margin being marginalized is the new black you know <laughs> and yeah. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, apparently, it's also the old one. <laughs> <laughs> but, so every, like, even with my editor, like, there's there's a difference. I love Eric, but there's a difference between the way that you're talked to and the way I'm talked to. And he would like to think that he's this, you know, progressive and yet, you know like oppressive man <laughs> at the same time he's got a lot of dichotomies about him yeah. but there's being female like plays into everything but you can write and not ever express what you are like and just be writing about characters or you know even if I write things that aren't ever published it's a good way to to explore this world where I'm just this observer like almost like a godlike I'm like Carlin and and uh, Bill and Ted, you know. I'm just the person making everything happen behind the scenes. <laughs> so I enjoy writing, and it also makes better money than comedy. <laughs> you started working at Bloomingdale's. Yes, I started working at Bloomingdale's, which is odd for me because it's it's a very corporatey kind of you know oppressive environment but i've absolutely fallen in love with the culture of the store it's like working in the 1950s it we're you know you have to dress a certain there's a long list of ways that you have to dress and even how you keep your hair and you know like there's a part in the dress code where it says you know about makeup and if you need help with makeup one of the girls at the counters would be happy to teach you how to wear proper makeup and you know how much perfume to wear and it's so there's this total environment that's been created yes (laughs) and and it's um this wonderful mixture of of like you have to be nice Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, we have, that's, we're a very high end, we don't say no to customers kind of environment. Like the, I took a, you take, it, I had a client yesterday who the only thing that fit her and the thing that she wanted is the only thing she wanted was on the mannequin. So my manager had to help me undress a mannequin <laughs> to give her that outfit because that is the one that she wanted, even though it was the only one in the store. <laughs> <laughs> and she said she was from uh, Brazil. And she said, we can make this happen. I know people. Money will flow. Tell your manager that I will get down into the ground. I think she meant on her knees, begging, <laughs> please, I want this outfit. I will get down into the ground for the outfit. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is a... This is a stark contrast from your 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 previous retail job at at the at the Expressions Point Store. It is in a way because at Expressions, you know, we sold sex toys, and now I'm selling lingerie though. So there's um like I'm not selling lingerie to strippers and cross dressers and drag queens anymore, but it's still there's still the sexual element. You know, there's still like the titillation there. We have a um, agent provocateur section, and they actually have like a little fo- little paddle there under glass, 
<laughs> you know, and and masks and leather and, you know, along with their regular line. And uh, so there's still like this and it's odd. It's it's weird to see. So there, it's OK to have like these fetish things. It's so it's f- so it's Playboy as opposed to swank. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Agent Provocateur is my new fascination, by the way, because it, I learned that it was started by Malcolm McLaren's sex store in uh-huh. England. He, he and um, that that British broad, the redhead, I forget her name. Like it's V Veronica or Valerie or whatever. But um, she what they were part of the the whole punk thing. Clothing played such a huge part, and that store used to be like this really raunchy and ancient provocateur. The whole line was like this real raunchy, dirty, very punk rock, visceral kind of company, and it was bought out by another company, and now it's super high end fetish. Uh-huh. So it's fancy fetish stuff. <laughs> and and uh, it's also, um, I still, uh, because of the time that I worked during the day at um, at the adult store, uh-huh. at Expressions, I got a lot of clientele that was like older women who were actually like told by their doctors to go and get a dildo. Okay. Because of, like, I guess if you get older, the lining, the vaginal lining thins and you get dried out and they were told to to get a dildo to keep themselves open to keep sex from being painful it's such a it was almost like being a a dildo pharmacist (laughs) (laughs) and i get like the same age group of women looking for lingerie and and some of them have never worn lingerie before and they they want to do it to spice up their sex life with their husband so it's sort of the same thing I'm just not selling them stuff to insert inside of their vaginas you know I'm selling them stuff to get things to encourage insertion into their vaginas <laughs> either way I'm in a vagina I'm, I'm working my way into their vaginas <laughs> uh, and let's see on the, uh, on the Heidi Knights front um, you, you have begun working the Pater Payne shows. The Pater Payne shows. Those are comedy shows where the comedians now I don't I guess it's okay to say that they're getting paid anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but the the uh, concept is that they have to go up on stage, they tell their jokes, they have their set. If they don't do well, the audience can vote paid or pain. <laughs> and if they're vote paid, then everybody yay and they, you know, walk off the stage if they're voted pain they have to have some kind of humiliation or pain inflicted on them by me as Heidi Knights so I put comics over my knee and spanked them and chastised them and did you know like sissy training where I put a wig on them and lipstick and make them vogue and you know I, I still haven't gotten a chance to do puppy play like we, we have to put the different things on cards and they have to pick a card and I'm dying to do puppy play. I'm dying to make a comic fetch something for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's so different from <laughs> working at, at Bloomingdale's where I have to dress all in black and I have to have my hair a certain way and have certain makeup. And then I, I'm Heidi Knights on stage with a purple wig and a corset. And I'm spanking comics over my knee with a wooden spoon. <laughs> it's, it's it's like and 
uh, no, I just talked myself into a wall. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of covered a lot of the Heidi Knight stuff when we uh, when we guest hosted Nine Cents. Yeah. Um, I. How do you feel reconciling that alter ego with your regular life? There's a lot of crossover. There is more crossover than I expected there to be. Because it, every... Um, even when we shoot fetish films, like every shoot and every show and every time I'm being a dom, there's like an element of almost like a, like a shell-cracking... Or some other element, some other boundary that I have that I'm getting over, or some other fear. It's very therapeutic. It's just as therapeutic as when I started doing comedy, because I couldn't even sing in front of people. When not that I'm a good singer, but singing, you know, just singing around the house, you know, in front of people before I started doing comedy. And then once you do comedy, you're you're doing the thing that people are more afraid of than death. You're going on stage and you're and you're alone and you're just with a microphone and you're talking to an audience that you can't see, you know. And once you do that, there's nothing more to be afraid of. So what else am I going to do but confront public sexual things? <laughs> you know, I got over this fear. And, and being in comedy in that culture is they're very judgmental yeah. and they're very like, um, because they're also insecure that if you vary from the path of comedy and you're not doing just comedy, they, there's this sense from other comics that you have failed or given up rather than diversifying or exploring other avenues or just be letting things happen. Like I, if something comes into my path, and then I'm going to try that. And I think of it as all connected. The writing and the comedy, even the doming has become connected to comedy mm-hmm. with the paid for pain. So when I first started um, Jim Mandrinos, mm-hmm. when we were talking to him about doing the fetish films, he was like, he took me aside. He's like, don't ever tell a comic that you're doing this. Don't ever tell them you're doing porn. And I was like... It's too late. <laughs> I tell everybody because it's so much easier to just be. I, I'm not good at having a secret, you know. Yeah. Like because it seems like um, insincere. So I'd rather not everything that I do. I would rather do full on and just let everybody know. Then there's never any t- any chance of anybody being like, "Aha! I discovered this thing about you." Because I have already publicized this thing. So yeah. it takes their power away. So fuck them. Yes, comics. I also do porn. You know? And you just wish that you could. <laughs> really, every, you know, I, I say this, it's like my favorite thing. Like every female comic is one daddy issue away from the pole. You know? So yeah. I'm just fulfilling my destiny. <laughs> and I think that the existence of paid for pain and that I was asked to do it is just proof that I was right. Everything is connected and everything can help everything else. And, you know, the fact that I can be comfortable sitting on a stool on a stage with a comic three feet away from me, nervously telling jokes <laughs> and feel like totally comfortable up there is like an element that helps the whole gig, you know? 
All right. Well, where can people read your writing? Where can people uh, hear about Heidi Knights? People can hear about Heidi Knights uh, at HeidiKnights.com. That would be the, the best place to go. Yeah. We have our, our Clips for Sale uh-huh. site, which I don't... What is the uh, Clips for Sale? Uh, clips, the number four, sale.com slash 72313. And also on uh, Heidi Knights on Twitter. Uh-huh. We're pretty pretty prolific on twitter we have a facebook i'm not really too interactive on the facebook yeah but uh you know and and all and as far as writing heather height writes uh for penthouse forum and there's been a few issues you could i believe you could get back issues online yes you can so i've done some interviews and an article you've also done some writing for penthouse forum i have and uh, come this to is the, about you, though. Yes, I know. <laughs> and come to the Paid for Pain shows. That so far, I've been in Connecticut, right? Yeah. And uh, we do them here in New York at the New York Comedy Club. Um, I'm in a rotation with uh, Lady Zombie, mm-hmm. who also does the Paid for Pain. Paid or Pain. I keep on saying <laughs> Paid for Pain. <laughs> <laughs> now, you get paid for pain. Yes. <laughs> they get paid or pain. <laughs> paid or pain. And where else? What else am I doing? I'm doing comedy shows as well. Also with the same, I guess, outfit. The But I'm doing it at the Greenwich Village Comedy Club December 5th, I hope, because now I'm <laughs> having, having a schedule conflict with my, jo- my, my vanilla job <laughs> where I was scheduled for that date. So I'm going to have to get that fixed. But hopefully, Dece- go, hopefully, go anyway. hopefully December 5th you'll be yeah. at Greenwich Village Comedy Club. Oh, anyway. Because it's a good show, and it's all female show, yes. which I just hate. It's Evans Angels. Just Evans Angels. That's a, I'm so gonna do like all male shows, and I'm gonna make a big deal about it. It's all male comics, <laughs> live nude male, <laughs> like just <laughs> Heather Heights stable of male comics, <laughs> <laughs> and piss people off with it, like, what are you doing? It's always all men. No, you don't understand. This is all male comics yes they're all all no this is all men all male comics there is not one woman in this show (laughs) because it doesn't fucking matter it should just be a comedy show the one paid or pain show that I did there was one female comic and the guy who manages the room comes in the back and asks the guy who books the show um, he goes there's one female comic where do you want her and it was like an actual discussion where he wants her placed in the show what fucking difference does it make (laughs) she's a comic you know like it's it's just silly to me (laughs) all right all right. Heather, hi. Thank you very much for being on the show. I know you had to travel very far to get here. All the way from the bed. Yeah. Whole three feet. Yeah. Thank you, David Harris. Magister Harris. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you a little, you get a little, yeah. you little turn you on a little L- bit L- when I call you by your title. A little bit, yeah. Magister. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me as a guest, Maggie. You're welcome, baby. And uh, that's going to do it. Satanism today, this month. Uh, if you would like to learn more about the Church of Satan, its beliefs, its tenets, its philosophies, and its practices, you can log on to www.churchofsatan.com 
and uh, read through the website. Or you can pick up a copy of Anton Zandor LeVay's The Satanic Bible. It's available nine, ten bucks, Avon paperback. It's a fantastic read. You might learn something. Um, we will talk to you guys next month. This has been Satanism Today on the Nine Cents Podcast. Until we speak again, hail Satan. All right, people, and that is going to do it for yet another show. We truly hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, corrections, critiques, or just general comments. You got any favorite sex positions? Let us know. We'd like to hear it. Techniques, sexual techniques to keep your partner interested? Hey, why not? Pass them along. Um, <laughs> what? I said email them to me, not you. <laughs> yeah, send them over to Aden Arden. <laughs> he already told you how to get a hold of him. Um, any photos that you just must show other people of your uh, various body parts, uh, Aden wants to see those too. <laughs> I actually may too. <laughs> uh, either way, you can check in with us in social media, Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and MySpace. Get updated on weekly topics, contests, uh, live events, or just other Satanist random ideas or projects that we think are worthwhile. Download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. And we're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, YouTube, and iTunes. However you get us, hook us up with a rating or a comment. It, it does surprise me still, though. People are like, do you have a website? Like, <laughs> Are they fucking stupid? The podcast is literally titled 9centspodcast.com. <laughs> and you're asking oh, yeah, if I have a fucking, fucking website? Are these are these the very same people that put up with bad blowjobs for fifteen years? It has to be the same people. They just have, have to, to be. be. And I love it. I like some, I get a lot of. Uh, well, um, do you just offer just the the different segments online? Go to the fucking website. Yes, it's there. It's right there. Everything you could want. Do you offer any t-shirts? Do you have t-shirts for sale? Yes, go to the website. It's everything is there. You would be amazed <laughs> if you if you just looked how easy it would be to find things. So put in a little effort and you'll get everything you've been asking for, people. Uh, keep in mind that uh, the only way we're going to continue doing this is if you continue to share it. We appreciate your interaction. Let's uh, turn some other folks on to militant eroticism. Let's do that. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, churchofsatan.com, yes, that's a website, is the first place to go. Okay, once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... A den or a den. One badass motherfucker, man. I love you, man. You're doing great stuff. And until next week, people. Hail Satan! Hail Satan!